he has his left leg over your abdomen. So he's actually putting his attention on your pussy. Right. Okay. And on your clitoris. And we stroke the clitoris because it's the point of the highest sensation in the human body. The clitoris has over 8,000 nerve endings. And so that's the best place to go and feel. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. So take sex out of it. Take the word clit out of it. Take all the connotations of shame or sexual identity or whatever it is. Women just happen to be the lucky (laughs) owners of the clit, right? Thank you, God. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm your host, Jennifer Tracy. Welcome to December, you guys. Here we are. Last little bit of 2019, 2020 is coming at you like a freight train. Whoo, here we go. So uh, today is an exciting episode. I'm really, really excited to bring you this um, this guest. But before I do, I want to just go over um, our two beautiful sponsors and thank them so much. The first sponsor is a company called Gifts for Good, and Gifts for Good is a beautiful company that does these really luxurious gift baskets. All price ranges though, from $25 and under to $250. Um, They also do gift cards. And what they do is every gift basket that you give, a portion of that goes to a cause, okay? And what I think is really neat is that it's not just a dollar amount. Sometimes it is, but they give like, for example, if you give a certain gift basket, they will give an organization that provides training for women in other countries where they would not provide training and not be able to procure work for themselves. They will give 25 minutes of training to a woman or a group of women. Stuff like that, that is just mind blowing. There's more stuff on their website at giftsforgood.com please check it out. They have customizable gifts. They work with corporate companies. So if you have a company, large or small, and you want to just get all the gifts for your company taken care of, this is such a great option. Um, and you know, even their less expensive gifts are absolutely beautiful. They're really finely curated. A lot of the items that are in there are made by women and people in other countries that they're then going to return that service back to them. So they're not only providing employment, but then returning a portion of the proceeds from these gifts back to that organization. So they have provided us with a discount code, MILF for good, M-I-L-F-F-O-R-G-O-O-D. If you use that at the checkout, you can get a little discount. So check them out. It's perfect for holiday shopping or anytime shopping. And it's a beautiful company. They're based here in LA and I'm just so grateful um, for their generosity with the listeners and with the podcast. So this month's give I'm going to announce came to me through this incredible woman named Laura McGregor. Laura is a cancer survivor and now she has terminal cancer. She survived cancer, got into remission, and then found out that she had cancer again. She is a mom. She reached out to me to be on the show and sent me this video of her and what she's doing. And I cried and I called her immediately and I said, A, I want you on the show right now. And B, I want to support this 
beautiful organization that you have created. So Laura created this organization called hopescarves.org. That is the the highlighted give for the month of December for MILF podcast. Because what happened was someone that had been close to her who had just gone through cancer treatment gave her these beautiful headscarves because she lost her hair. And so she wore these scarves. And when she was done with them, she went back to that friend and said, I'm done with the scarves. And the friend said, well, instead of giving them back to me, why don't you pass them on to someone else who's going through cancer treatment? And Laura said, oh my gosh, that's such, that's, of course I'll do that. And she did. And it inspired her to start this organization. So if you go on there, you'll see all these stories. Part of what she has created is this chain of stories. So when you give the scarves to the next patient, you write out your survival story and you enclose it in the box. It's so beautiful, you guys. And it's just, she's just an incredible human being. And I really, really want you to go on this website and check out what is happening here. So you can, you can buy a scarf, you can become a scarf sponsor, you can add to the stories, you can add your story. It's, it's really, it's really beautiful. So thank you, Laura and team. And I'm excited to continue to learn about what you guys are doing and support you in any way that I can. Um, And our other sponsor for today is The Growing Candle, which I talked a little bit about last week as well. They have these candles called um, Huga Candles, and they are these gorgeous candles with all these different scents that are natural. They don't, they're not perfumey, you know, they're like sandalwood and vanilla and lavender and eucalyptus. That's my favorite. And they come in these beautiful um, ceramic jars. And when the candle burns down, what it's wrapped in is this paper that has seeds in the paper. It's biodegradable paper. And you put it in the candle jar and you water it and it grows into wildflowers. It's so cool, you guys. It's so beautiful. Also a beautiful gift. They have also given us a discount code of MILF10 for 10% off at checkout. So check them out at thegrowingcandle.com. Make sure it's the growing candle. Yep. Thegrowingcandle.com. So those are our sponsors and our give for December. I'm so proud of all of them and to share them with you. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce today's guest, Katie Henricks. Katie came to me through the world of pole dancing and she is a relationship and intimacy coach and she's fascinating. And we talked a lot about sex. We talked a lot about female orgasms. We talked a lot about the clitoris. <laughs> we talked a lot about a lot of things and it's such a great interview and please enjoy my conversation with Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Jennifer. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you for, friends. oh my God, it's such a joy. And so just before we hit record, we did a fun um, impromptu Instagram live and you started talking about all this amazing stuff. And I said, wait, 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 we got to stop the live and start recording the podcast <laughs> because it was so amazing. So we were talking about how you are a sex intimacy and relationship coach. And you also work with, um, certifying, you are a certified orgasmic meditation teacher. I am. Okay. I mean that just all of those monikers are so exciting and amazing. And then I gestured to the pole behind your couch here in your home, uh, because that's how we know each other is through our pole dancing community. Yes. And 
then I talked about how it's, this is all out of order. So I apologize, guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm just trying to hit the high notes of what we just talked about to recapture it. I talked about how horny I was during my pregnancy. And you started to talk about how you found sensual movement and how your sex life had shifted and changed when you were pregnant. And yeah, am I am I let's go into it. Let's go into it. Okay. Well, um, Oklahoma girl here. Yes. Right. I stuck out like a sore thumb in that state. <laughs> like the whole state was like, she needs to be <laughs> relocated. <laughs> so off to Los Angeles, I went. How um, old were you? I had just graduated college at ASU. I went to Arizona State. Uh, it was 2005. Um, I think 2005, I came out here. I followed my boyfriend who became my husband, um, who became my ex-husband. Full circle, full circle, (laughs) full circle. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, by the time I got to Los Angeles, I, or it was actually right after we got married in 2008 that I wanted to soak up Los Angeles culture and pole dancing had just become sort of mainstream or like fitnessy. Right. And I think crunch was doing something. Right. So I looked up, you know, pole dancing studios near me. There just happened to be S-Factor, Sheila Kelly's S-Factor, right around the corner. And I thought that I was going to be walking into like a crunch style (laughs) fitness. (laughs) Right. Right. What I got was something very different. Yeah. And I did it to sort of spice up my sex life. And we had been together for seven and a half years, I think probably eight by then. We were newlyweds, but... Our sex was very utilitarian, mm. very vanilla. There's nothing wrong with vanilla, but I, I'm on the more kinky side, so I wasn't being energetically satisfied. My body wasn't turned on by it. It was very robotic. Mm. Um, and I think by general standards, our sex life was just fine, you know? And uh, let's see. <laughs> Take I want to say so much. I want to say so much. Um, What's stopping you? <laughs> Anonymity, like protecting your ex-husband? No, I don't want to protect him. No, I, I actually want to sing face. his. I actually, she was like, no. I actually want to sing his praises for him. Like he's he oh. knew how to get me off, right? So oh. like he knew my body. It was, but it was very utilitarian. We always knew it was going to be step one, two, three, boom, climax, and done. Right, right. And. I like the spontaneity. I like the element of surprise. Yeah. I like um, curiosity and yeah. play and exploration yeah. and challenge in the bedroom, yeah. right? And I love the psychological element of it. That's really, I'm so- That's I, 90% of it, isn't it? I, mean, I think for women, yeah. I think for she, her, yeah. you know, if you identify yeah. as that, I think that um, the psychology is really where the turn on starts. Yeah. But what was stopping you from, what was there so much you want to say? Like, like, cause you can say anything on this show. We, we have an E explicit rating for that reason. Okay. So you can talk about all the, you can say clitoris, you can say pussy, you can say all these yeah. things. Yeah. So I don't have a problem saying any okay. of those things. Um, yeah. Maybe I mean, that's not where you were going. I just wanted to open it wide open for thank you. So you. you can, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see, I don't want to focus on him. That's the only thing yeah. that I was, I kind of wanted to yeah. refocus it back on me and copy you. that. Um, let's see. So I walk into an S-Factor studio and 
the delicious Jenny Weaver is my teacher. Oh, love Jenny Weaver, who's now a country star. She totally is. Yeah. And she like loves Dolly Parton and she had like everything was tassels and yes. she could dance in boots. Yes. I like will never forget what she danced to the first time I saw it. Right. <clears throat> and um, something changed that day. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is the rest of my life. Yeah. You know? How old were you? 27. Young. Yeah. And then... Um, Can I ask what you were doing for work at the time? I was consulting and scheduling for a tutoring company. Yeah. Um, and I had just gotten certified as a teacher for single subject English, and I, like, hated it. Mm. Hated it. Mm. 30,000 teachers got laid off at LAUSD. I was kind of swimming upstream at that point. Um, I started tutoring. I was so new. I was so young. And then I started working in, in their business, not tutoring, but doing the other side, like the business portion of it. So I hated it. I hated every minute of it. And I kind of was in a space where I didn't even know that I hated it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And How can we when we're 27? I mean, you don't know. Anything. I didn't even know who I was really. <laughs> yeah. But, but you were introduced to this part of yourself when you discovered oh, the yeah. movement. Yeah. It's almost like I didn't, my conscious self didn't realize what was happening, but something subconscious or unconscious was like, oh shit, <laughs> buckle your seatbelts because something just opened, something's happening. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. It blew my world apart. Yeah. <laughs> like if I were to warn myself, you know, or if I were to know now what I know then what I know now, it would terrify me. Yeah. You know, but it woke me up. Yeah. That was like my moment of wake up. Don't you have a moment of wake up? Oh, several, but that was for me too. At S Factor, it was one of them. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I've shared this too. Like I watched Christina Grant's mm. dance. Well, actually before that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, oh my God. She like gets me pregnant just watching her. <laughs> Literally. Ugh. But before that, I watched my friend Tara dance who brought me to my first class. And I was so aroused and turned on and I was confused at first. And I thought, am I gay? Like genuinely, mm -hmm. not to be flippant about it, but absolutely because I was so aroused and I, I didn't realize that it wasn't it wasn't that I was, I was attracted to her. I mean, I mm -hmm. don't know. I guess it's all mixed up because it, it is like, it's fluid. It's fluid. It's not like sexuality is so fluid. Yeah. And I love the phrase sexuality is about what is it's not what isn't. Mm. So if it's there for you, it's there for you. Yeah. And anything it is, is right. Yeah. Right. And I said, I mean, the first six months of my journey at S Factor, Christina was my teacher and I was in love with her. And I told her that. And I was like, I'm in love with you, but I know you have a boyfriend and I'm, I'm married and, but I'm just telling you. And she's like, I get it. I was in love with my first teacher. Like, and I, I got private lessons with her and I was like, I'm not going to put the moves on you or anything, but like, I think about it, <laughs> you know, and it's, I think it's healthy. I mean, it woke if, me up to myself and my own sexuality. A hundred percent. I mean, if I can be real open and honest, like I'm not a hundred percent straight. I don't think any of us are. I don't think anybody yeah, is. I really don't. 100%. It's just how open you are to that prospect, yes. right? Yes. Um, where I take that is my choice, yes. right? Or how I want to identify myself with that is my choice. But my attraction level and my turn on is really like 
365. Yeah. You know, or 360, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Those are days girl. of the year. All the days of the year, all the directions, all the days of the year. Let's cover all of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think when you're a truly sexually woke, spiritually woke, heart opened woman, you can find turn on in anything. Yeah. Even like the deep dark, right? Just not teaching English. <laughs> Whatever your certification was, for. <laughs> just not in high school, LUST <laughs> school system. Maybe not there. <laughs> okay, so but wait a minute. I want to ask you. So you were on this journey. Your world exploded. This was two thousand nine. Before you got pregnant, what happened when you got pregnant? Interesting. I think Jenny Weaver was one of the first people I told that I was pregnant because I hadn't been to the doctor yet, but I went to my class and we were doing inversions that week. And I was like, I don't know if I can invert. And she was like, why? And I was like, I am pregnant. And my pregnancy was planned. I mean, I was fertile Myrtle. We tried once. He knocked me up with the most perfect human being that's ever been created. Right. And I had a beautiful pregnancy. I danced throughout my pregnancy and my my son's father got exponentially weirder and weirder. Protective, paranoid, his addiction flared up again. Um, lots of lots of layers of that. Mm. You know, so as I'm becoming more alive and more woken and more lit up and turned on, not just sexually turned on, but heart turned on, right? Yeah. Like I was just, I was finding like so lit up and looking forward to this class that I was taking once a week and fully sketching out who I was in that department, mm. right? Yeah. And simultaneously finding my purpose. I was like, I got to do this for a living. Like I have to, like there's no other choice. Yeah. I just, it's going to happen in some capacity. I'm going to work in the world of eroticism, sexuality, yeah, movement, communication, all of that. Yeah. And and then my my world was there was such a stark contrast. When I got home, it was like everything was shut down. This was during your pregnancy or during your pregnancy and after your son was born both. It really took off. It, re it the wheels really came off the moment I brought my son home. Um can I ask was your ex-husband ever diagnosed with anything officially? If you feel comfortable talking about that? He won't expose himself and stays very hidden in his addiction and his, um, I, I don't know. We don't know I because see. he won't go get help. Mm. And he tends to, he hides behind closed doors. Yeah. So no one can help him. Right. And he won't allow help in. And so the prospect of him changing or getting better or even admitting he has a problem is I'm in full radical acceptance that that will never happen. But, you know, I fully detached from that prospect and also wish that my son had a different father show up for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So you're watching your spouse sort of change or dissolve before your eyes. You have this infant. What happened to, was there a catalyst for you to choose, you know, hey, I got to get out of here? Yeah. Um, so I am a domestic violence survivor, domestic abuse. 
I like saying abuse instead of violence because I think people conflate the word violence with hitting, being physical. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the day that I moved out, I had eight cameras on me in our 1,200 square foot house. Like it was this very small little craftsman fixer upper. And eight cameras? Eight cameras on me. I had a tracker on my car. He had he had a tracker and um, a keystroke, I think, keystroke. I, and I haven't ever had that proven because it's so hard on my computer. And he um, shut down my computer and my phone when I moved out and put the message LOL. He deemed my devices lost and stolen. And so I had to get a whole new computer and phone. I had no access to anything. He shut down our joint bank account. And so I had, had no money. How I had old a, was the baby? He was two. Oh my God. The day I moved out. So it was October 15th of 2014. It was a Wednesday and I had just gotten back from my therapist appointment. And I will never forget that appointment. I sat on her couch and I don't even think we said very much. We didn't say a whole lot. I think I was in such a state of conscious realization that this was the next step and that there was no other choice in order to keep my son safe. Yeah. Because at that point, my my ex-husband was driving with an ax under his seat in the car. The road rage was inexplicable. He was layering alcohol with marijuana, with Norco, there was, he was not sleeping. There were fits of psychosis in the middle of the night where he would scream and yell, kind of wake up my baby, wake up the dogs, throw them outside. I mean, it was a very chaotic, traumatic environment. Mm. So um, I started to, I didn't tell my family about it for a very long time. And I protected him and protected him and protected him. And... <sighs> And uh, I started to, when I put my son to sleep, when I started to really see like, this is, I got to get out of here. I started saying a prayer over him. Like, God, open doors. Give me opportunity to get out of here safely. And that's what happened. I found a safe haven. My mom opened up her home to us and I took my son out of preschool. He changed the locks on our home. We co-owned it. I bought the home for us. Wow. And I didn't have a home with my son. So I I packed up my bags and my son and my two dogs in our suburban, which was being tracked. And I did it in the middle of the day because I knew that he was watching me and I wanted to do it quickly enough so that he couldn't come home and catch me um, and stop it. And... You know, I did the best that I could. I gathered as much as I could to get out, and I never went back to the house. So you went home to Oklahoma? No, mom? my mom lives in Orange County. Oh, she lives in Orange County. Okay. Yeah, and for three months, we spent over $100,000 in attorney's fees. Oh, my God. How easy it could have been, right? So that's just sort of to map out how difficult he made it on us. Meanwhile, I'm homeless. I don't have I don't have a home. And what were you doing for work at the time? Nothing. I yeah. I quit my job yeah. to be a to be a stay at home mom. Yeah. You had a baby. I, I mean, had a yeah. baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, actually, that's not true. I became an S factor instructor. You did? <laughs> yes, I did. 
<laughs> so I was teaching S actually. I forgot that part. It's kind of a big part. I got certified. Um, Were you I, teaching in Costa Mesa? A little bit, uh -huh. very, very small bit. And the majority I was teaching in Encino. Okay. Oh, yeah. Encino. I forgot about Encino. I know, right? Sweet little Encino. Wow. But I mean, that doesn't make, you You weren't able to live on that, obviously. No. It's just very part-time. You're doing no. it for the pleasure of it. A hundred percent. So from there, how did mm -hmm. you sort of rise out of those ashes? I mean, that is, first of all, what a warrior, like samurai warrior you are. Honestly, that is what is that's that's really intense story of abuse. I mean, just very severe abuse. And I applaud you for escaping <laughs> and taking your child thank out you. of that situation. But wow, like how I mean, thank goodness your mom opened her doors to you and I'm sure that must have just been terrifying for all of you. What was the process from there of you deciding what the next move was for you from that space. Jennifer, I armed myself with as many people as possible to support me. I joined a group called DBT. It's dialectic behavioral therapy. And it was a group that met once a month and it helps in four key areas. And I suggest this for anyone who's going through a hard time or just if you're human, go to this mm. group. Mm. Um, it was actually created by a woman named Marsha Linehan, and it was created for people with borderline personality disorder, okay? I don't have borderline, and the group that I was in, they didn't have borderline. But the four key concepts were mindfulness, distress tolerance, interpersonal skills, and emotion regulation, right? So it teaches you skills around all of those things, and who doesn't have challenges yeah, totally. in those areas, Yeah, that, right? those are just, we need to teach that in school. We do. Like in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was one of the things that really helped give me, I thought about it like I have a tool belt and every time I go to this group, I'm going to put one or two little tools in it so that I can, I have tools to move around the world more skillfully, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I consistently went to my therapist. I continued dancing at S to kind of move that through me. And little by little, I found a home to live back in Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. I want to live here for the rest of my life. And so uh, so I found a place and I, I muddled through, you know, for a good solid year and a half. And then I started, I started writing and um, I got hired with an amazing company called Roundtable Companies based in Pennsylvania. And I'm a ghostwriter for them. And then I got certified as a relationship and intimacy coach and started practicing orgasmic meditation and fell in love with it while being a single mom, while dating, while trying to get my rocks off. Like yeah. it was, it's, my life is a balancing act yeah. for sure, but yeah. I'm finally in a spot where I am 110% sure that this is, this is my purpose. This mm. is my life. And getting certified as the relationship and intimacy coach, can you talk about that process? Like, how did you find the place where you got certified? Like, how did you find a mentor? Oh, how did you this is a great story. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I was dating. I, I enjoy dating. I've always enjoyed dating. 
it's challenging, but it's probably the the one thing that's taught me the most about myself, right? Like, what do I like Amen. to wear? Totally. Where do I like to go? What yeah. do I like to do? Yeah. What's my communication style? How do I carry myself? What messages am I sending? What people am I attracting mm. and why, right? Yes. And I went on a date one time with this man, okay? <laughs> a very Italian man, uh, very like romantical, <laughs> very like winning hard from the very beginning. Oh, I'm like picturing Sopranos. <laughs> like I'm just like, yes, Tony Soprano and I'm in a black Lincoln picking you up. Oh my God, no. <laughs> She's like, no. It's one of those guys that wears like, um, like a nice striped shirt with like paisley on the undercuff oh, and like yeah. rolls it up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> really, it's more like Joe Pesci we're talking. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Less Tony Soprano, more Joe Pesci. Got it. I'm with you. Yeah. So I remember. Paisley cuffs. Oh, Lord. <laughs> As it turns out, not my style. <laughs> Good to know. No turn on Check there with the Paisley. Yeah. yeah. Um, How did you meet this person? Okay, Cupid okay. or Bumble yeah. or something. One of the things. Yeah. Swiping. Oh, swiping. That's another. Woo. Oh, swiping. We could go there, girl. Maybe we will if we have time. Okay, go on. <laughs> so I remember sitting across the table from him and uh, and he said something to me. He said, you know that the world, I can't remember the exact thing that he said, but he said, you know that the world exists from desire, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> it was like he suddenly started speaking Italian to me. I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, that's the language of the universe is desire. And I was like, what in the hell is this guy talking about? And I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah. Um, the second part of our date was that he took me to something called a turn on, which was like, there's a company called One Taste and they did these turn ons and it was really to simulate the orgasmic process. And one person sits in something called the hot seat and the other people around them ask questions. And the, sensations in the body that start to arise fear sadness joy um what are some of the questions what made you want to get in the chair tonight do you like attention okay yeah why do you why do you choose to wear this outfit Mm. what do you like about that okay so like more layers like deeper layers layers got it and so he took me to a turn on and i was like obsessed i got in the hot seat I saw his gaze on me, right? You know, that male gaze that's like so powerful and potent. And um, and we had the experience of him asking me questions and other people asking me questions. And afterwards we went up and they were like, so would you like to come to a live demo? And I'm like, what's a live demo? And they're like, well, so you see the strokey get her clit stroked. And I was like, Whoa. I was like slow motion, like, like my body language I just like recoiled (laughs) as I looked at him and he was like would you like to go and looked at me and I just was like nope definitely not ready for that and then I couldn't get it out of my head for about a solid year yeah what is this thing what are they talking about why would somebody do that 
sounds like one of those crazy, weird sexual things that I am attracted to again. And um, it took me about a year to build up the courage to go. And I went and it, it was like another one of those S factor moments, right? So just to be clear, this was a live demo of the orgasmic meditation. Yes. It's called orgasmic meditation. It is. And oming. this is oming. Om. And it's a woman who started it, right? I forget her, her name. Her name's Nicole. They don't. But yeah, she actually learned from someone else, but okay. she's the one who made it a thing. Okay. And can you describe? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Do it. Okay. So um, the practice of OM is a stroker who's a male and a strokey who's the female. And the stroker strokes the strokey's clitoris for a 15-minute practice, okay? Um, it happens in something called a nest, which is basically a blanket and three pillows, okay? And it's done with the intention of being present, connecting, and... Um, being vulnerable, feeling the sensation arise in your body. It is practiced in the field of sexuality, but it is not sex. It's not intended to be foreplay. You don't add candles and berry white and high heels. <laughs> berry white. Right? Berry like, white. <laughs> I love oh, you yeah, so much girl. more right now. <laughs> Oh my God, that's just or so good. Or pick your choice, like Lil Wayne. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, Barry, we're sticking with Barry White, girl. Can you imagine? Oh, gee. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is a meditative practice. It's something you do when you don't feel like it. It's something you do when you do feel like it. What surprised me most about the practice is that it's not all pleasurable. And it is not intended with a goal to climax. So... There's a difference between orgasm and climax. Mm. And the difference is that, um, so orgasm is any sensation or any buildup or aftermath before or after climax, okay? It's a sensation that we hold in our body. Like right now, I'm buzzing. My um, legs are tingling. I have chills on my arms. Feeling a little tightness in my chest, but it happens when I speak, right? Um, I'm feeling kind of like a warm, like zinging feeling out my legs and pussy right now, just like being with another turned on female in the room, right? Yeah. So those are all, that's orgasm, mm. is feeling the sensation and having the capacity to feel it in your body and being present with it. And what's interesting is that we're not taught this language around the sensations in our body. Mm. So when someone says, what are you feeling in your body right now? People will just kind of glaze over yeah. and say, mm, good, right? Yeah. Um, and the practice of OM is really to develop a language in which to express what's going on inside of you. And going back to what I said before, it's not all pleasurable. Sometimes it feels like numbness. Sometimes it feels like sharp and irritating Sometimes it feels silky and smooth and buttery and wet, right? And other times it feels awkward, um, too quiet, right? And so you're sitting with a slew of different emotions, thoughts, um, sensations in the body that you ha are confronted with in that 15 minutes. 
and with a stranger who's facing away from you. So not necessarily oh, a stranger. Okay. You can pick okay. whoever you'd like. Oh, okay. Some monogamous couples will choose to do it if they're married or the boyfriend, girlfriend. And then there's people who do it. I don't know. Everyone has their own practice. Okay. And he's not facing away from you. Oh, he's, he's actually okay. No, he has his left leg over your abdomen. So he's actually putting his attention on your pussy. Right. Okay. And on your okay. clitoris. And we stroke the clitoris because it's the point of the highest sensation in the human body. The clitoris has over 8,000 nerve endings. And so that's the best place to go and feel. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. So take sex out of it. Take the word clit out of it. Take all the connotations of shame or sexual identity or whatever it is. Women just happen to be the lucky owners of the clit, right? Yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there ever women stroking women? Not the way that I teach it. Okay. Why is that? Um, It's complicated to explain. Okay. So the practice of OM is to, it's not intended for, but it is a practice that serves the feminine. Okay. The feminine has been so underrepresented and so underdeveloped and so undernourished, especially in American culture, that when we practice OM, we're really nurturing that feminine energy to come out, right? And so we're teaching men to feel too, because men have had their, as, as the feminine has been repressed, women have been repressed, the collective feminine has been repressed mm. in men specifically, mm. right? So their feminine energy of creativity, emotion, nurture, unpredictability, uh, fluidity, flow, surrender, right? Has yeah. all been, you know, everything but dissolved yeah. completely. And so when we practice OM, the stroker has an opportunity to feel. We're opening up into him and saying, hey, put your attention on this thing and I want you to feel what I'm feeling. And he gets that by feeling what's happening in his body and then by us vocalizing what we're feeling, okay? So um, the strokey can offer something called adjustments. More to the left, please. More to the right. Softer, lighter, faster strokes, higher, lower, right? And not only does that teach him an intuitive process, maybe he was feeling, oh, I knew I should have gone to the right. Mm -hmm right? Or like, I knew I was feeling a zinging there and she was feeling it too. So not only does it teach him intuition and emotional capacity and emotional intelligence, but it also helps translate into the other parts of our lives. So as I found my voice while I was oming, saying, less pressure, please, more to the right, please, stop stroking, please. Can I take a deep breath? I was also learning to find my voice in my career with my son yeah um in my relationships yeah with an actual partner if i was sexually intimate with them i mean how many times have you been in bed with a man or been with a man and you want to say what you want mm. but you can't mm. right it's so tragic it's so tragic and it's most of us i mean and I, they know, want yeah. to know of course is yeah. the even more tragic part yeah. they have to know yeah yeah men want to succeed with us and yeah. so if we're not in tune with our desire, what we want, where, when, why, what yeah. to do, yeah. they're lost yeah. without us. Yeah. And that's the power of orgasm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. This is so amazing. So you got into this world of oming. 
And after you met Joe Pesci, <laughs> it's not actually Joe Pesci, guys. It's not I'm just, Joe Pesci. You know. He he got remarried very quickly. Joe Pesci, the, the guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is like who's on first. Um, so so wait a minute. So but the guy introduced you to this world and like he's gone it doesn't even matter he's gone yeah, he was just a just, conduit he was a catalyst yeah yeah he was like oh me katie katie me yeah. oh i'm out i'm out of here <laughs> so you got you got into this world and then that led you to so you this was first and then you became a certified relationship yeah and intimacy coach? i okay. owned for a solid year before i went and did a coaching program based all around desire communication um lord there's so many other ones. Emotion. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now on all the different yeah, yeah, modules. Yeah. But of course. Yeah, it was a six-month process. And we had full like three-day immersions once a month. And they were righteously challenging. What does that look like of an immersion? So uh, there was a space where we all went and took class basically like eight hours a day. Wow. And then we had all of these exercises we did throughout together solo we did um a lot of relationship exploration lots of core belief work inner child work uh again i feel like this should be in curriculum <laughs> it should be in, maybe in high school but jennifer just, that's why i do what i do because eventually i'm going to pass this down to my son yes, right like yes. how important is it for kids to learn the yeah. power of communication oh my god i mean i just a quick aside so my son and most people know this who listen to the show, but he suffers from ADHD. He has severe separation anxiety. Um, he's a cancer. He's very, very sensitive. And last night he had another, uh, He it was Sunday night. Today's Monday. He did not want to go to school. We'd had the most blissful weekend together. We went to see a movie. Like He's like, I just miss you so much when I'm in school. And he's 10. So the psychologist has said, you know, he's going to grow out of this. It's just partly because of the divorce happening and all these things, but it's really intense for him. So I, you know, I've learned to sit with him through it and, you know, reflect back and honor whatever it is he's feeling. And then, but anyway, we, then we did a wrestle and he got hurt because we always like tickle tackle on the bed. That's part of our nighttime ritual. And he got hurt. I was like, so let's, cute. you know, let's take some Advil and get ready to go to bed. And he said, well, it's too early. I was like, I know, but we need to rest our body. And I said, and I didn't think before I said it, I said, I'm emotionally exhausted. And he goes, are you emotionally exhausted because of my emotions? And I was like, <gasps> and I took a moment and I said, no, I'm emotionally exhausted. And what he doesn't know or remember is that this last weekend was also the one year anniversary of my friend committing suicide. So that was just like this added layer on top of it. But I said, not at all. I said, I'm just tired. Um, we've had an, a beautiful day together. I said, your emotions are perfect. I love you just the way you are. And I can handle all of your emotions. I can be here to hold them regardless. And I'm also tired and I need to take care of my body, you know, but Oh, it's just, and, and that stuff that God bless my parents, they didn't know, they didn't have any of these tools. You know? And I'm not, not saying I'm a perfect parent by a long stretch, you know, or long shot, whatever the phrase is, <laughs> but, um, 
but it's all surrounds intimacy and desire. And yeah. yet if we don't work through these things that you were just talking about, right. core beliefs, core wounds. And you don't have to go back to your core wounds and core beliefs and inner child work in order to be vulnerable. Mm. You just have to have the willingness to open up a little. Mm. But most people are terrified of that. Terrified because we haven't created a safe space for us to open up. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I teach men when I'm coaching men is I teach them that it's safe to open up. So I'll let them give it to me. Tell me, give me your withholds. Tell me everything you've withheld. And then I just hold it for them. Mm. Say, you're allowed. Like, give me more. I can hold it. This is in your your clients? Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. You can sob in front of me. You want to sob? You want to scream? You want to throw a fit? Do you want to tell me how much you hate women? Go. This yeah. is a safe space for that. And then I teach women, you know, hold that space for him. And vice versa, right? We we have to have a safe space to go in and be like, I fucking hated you last night. Yeah. I wanted to smash your face in with a rod. Yeah. And then... <laughs> <laughs> That's so dramatic. <laughs> I or, couldn't tell if you were laughing at yourself for just saying that yes. or my face going, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm totally, yep. Both. <laughs> Yeah, fucking smash it in, girl. Yeah, Get it. Smash it. <laughs> um, or to be like, there are moments when I don't love you. And I'm looking right behind you. And I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see this. But there is a bull with horns. This beautiful photo behind her. It's a cow, actually. It's a cow. I'm sorry. That's got these huge horns. And it's just like not fucking around. Shag over its eyes. Not fucking around. Yeah, I mean, to be able to hold that space for someone when they say, there are moments in our relationship where I don't have love for you. Mm. And sometimes I think about leaving. And I have desire for that woman who just walked by. I'd like to fuck her. Mm. I want to know what it feels like. Right? Really charged, triggering things to say and to hear. And if we can go back to the spot that really what we want from the other person is truth. Yeah. And it is so hard to express. Right? Yeah. So that's one of the things why I continue to practice and teach and coach in Ohm is because it helps you develop a capacity for holding truth. Mm. So instead of being like <sighs> easily riled by that kind of truth, I'm not saying that you should say that to your partner. I am. <laughs> right. No, there's a build up to that. There's a, build a context yeah. to it. Of yeah. course. But is to be able to handle truth. Yeah. That's what we truly want. That's what we're always trying to get to because we can feel it, yeah. right? And so when someone's not expressing a truth and when someone's withholding, you can still feel the tension, mm. right? It's like the air has been sucked out of the mm. room and you just want the other person to like give it to you, mm. right? And you want to be able to hold it. Yeah. So there's different exercises that I, I use with my clients in order to gain that emotional capacity for the other person's truth and your own, by mm. the way, because it's so hard to look at. Well, that's the first thing, isn't that's it? The first thing. If you can't know your own truth, how the hell are you going to hold somebody else's? Yeah. And I think they don't have, I mean, it doesn't happen like first this, then that, right? right? Sometimes I've learned so much about like getting to the root of what's going on inside of me by taking on someone else's truth. And I'm like, yeah. oh God, I can do it for them. Okay. Now I can do it for me. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's not, it's not a linear 
no situation. And that's that's emotion is it's feminine, right? It's yeah. upsy daisy tips and twirls and loop de loos yeah. and it'll take you on a major it has ride. Eight thousand nerve endings. It does. Emotion. <laughs> and they're always moving. Did you know the clitoris is always moving around the point of sensation? I did because I watched this amazing YouTube video and I can't remember the woman's name. But she did this art installation. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm -mm. I'll think of it and I'll add it in the show notes, you guys. But she did these art installations of the clitoris and they were like, you know, 20 feet tall clits. Mm -hmm. And she did a TED talk on it. And it was just a beautiful education around the clitoris. And I remember sending it to my boyfriend at the time. And he was like, babe, like he said, because the word clitoris, I think I might butcher this, but she said it means, um, or vagina means sword holder. That's mm. what it was. And he was like, babe, you're a sword holder. <laughs> I was like, so hot. Oh, yeah. I love that. And um, like, yeah, but I am. yeah. So I, I, I do know more than I did, you know, two years ago. And, you know, the, the most fascinating thing of that TED talk was that it's not just this little button on the end of your, on the, like, base of your vagina or not base. I can't think of what the top, I guess it's the mom's deep. pubis. Yeah. It's beep. It's deep. It's beep. It's beep. It's beep. <laughs> it's beep. beeping. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Like a radar or something. Blinking. But it, yeah, it has these like tentacles and it goes so deep. deep. And, yeah. Deep and down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that I found most fascinating and how it changed my life is that the importance of a woman getting to know her body and then learning how to funnel that sensation out through her mouth, through her want, her desire, and then express it in a way that the other person can hear is life-changing. Mm. So that's why women's responsibility, I like to say like it's our responsibility as women to always have a practice of getting in touch with our desire. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? The feminine is the what. Mm. What is that thing? What is it? Is it a car? Is it a piece of cheesecake? Is it more sleep? Is it a snuggle? Is it peace and quiet? Is it, you know, what is it? Yeah. Is it traveling? Is it another color on your toenails? What is the thing you want? Yeah. And then- a man's responsibility is to put his attention on us, okay? So like that's women's power is her desire and expression of, and men's power is their attention and honing their attention on us. Oh my God. I'm just thinking of all the, like how many, how many thousands of dollars I would have paid you to like teach <laughs> like pretty much every man that's been in my life, starting with my dad. I mean, let's be real. It always starts with a dad, doesn't it? Gosh, it's the attention. It's the so attention. funny. And I think too, at least I was taught, I don't want to generalize, but it's like, oh, be self-sufficient without the attention. Don't be an attention whore. Don't be, don't, and I'm, there. anyway, my point is there's some negative connotation to attention and it's like, why? Mm. It's so funny. Um, okay, so the feminine energy Okay, so masculine and feminine need certain things. There's a lesson in each, and then they, they have different needs. So feminine needs attention, and not like, oh, honey, you're so pretty. You're yeah. That's validation. Yeah, Attention is like, let me see what's going on with her right now. Yes. How is she holding her body? What is her body language saying? Ooh, I'm seeing like, is that fear on her face? Ooh, it's sadness. 
Okay. Yeah. And and look then at how she's breathing, how she's breathing, yeah, all those right? things. Yeah. Or look what kind of car she drives, where she lives. Yeah. Oh, these are the things that light her up and turn her on. So just paying attention, noticing is really the step in attention is noticing, not validation, but noticing. Yes. And then the masculine needs celebration. It's just like Pavlov's dog, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Totally. Ring the bell. Great, you get food. Good yeah. boy, right? Yeah. yeah. But like you're doing it right. They want to know they're doing it right. Yeah. So when they put attention on you, they notice something about you. Yay, we yeah. clap, we cheerlead. <laughs> you did it so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. You're such a good man. You make me so happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they, you know, get a hard <laughs> You can say it. Yeah, they get like a massive boner over it. <laughs> we get like a heart boner and they get like a dick boner. <laughs> I think that needs to be on a t-shirt. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I have so many memes. Heart boner equals dick, dick boner. <laughs> so eloquent. FYI. So, <laughs> so sophisticated. Why not, man? Are you kidding? Um, Katie, I could talk to you forever. But I'm going to segue into our questions. Let's do it. This has been so amazing. I am in love with you. I'm in love with you. <laughs> this is so awesome. To be continued, for sure. A hundred percent. Okay. So what do you think about, Katie, when you hear the word love? I'm just going to riff. Yeah. Okay. Um, expansion, um, giving, um, a fluid cycle of giving and receiving, um, radical acceptance of the other person, right? I don't care who you are, how close you are to me, what cologne you wear, <laughs> what your issues are. Um, I feel like love equals acceptance. That's really love is when you say like, you can be anything you wanna be and you can be anywhere you wanna be and you can be whatever it is. You don't have to love me back. You don't have to be close to me. You don't have to validate me. I can love you from afar. I'll, I'll, I'll allow. Mm. I think I allow. Mm. I think that's the word. That's the phrase. I love it. I allow. Beautiful. If you could live anywhere in the world other than where you're living now, where would you live? Bali, duh. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. It is so far away. Yeah. But if all everyone that I love lived there. Yeah. Be fine. Yeah. Yeah. How do you define serenity? <laughs> hmm. Can we come back to that yeah, one? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to the lightning round. Okay. Fireside or Oceanside? Oceanside. Favorite junk food? Sour cream and onion ruffles. Oh. Not ruffles, lace. Lays. Not the ruffles, the lace. <gasps> the lace. Mm. Oh my that, like God. stack them up oh, like three or four. So good. Yeah. I love those too. Do you like theme parks? Absolutely not. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Ooh. I'm a nighttime gal. Mm. Shower or bathtub? What's the activity? <laughs> just whatever you want, I guess, but just bathing your body. Bath. That is such a great... No, no one's ever come back with that. That is the first time. What are we doing after, What's babe? the activity? <laughs> you are adorable. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at making lasagna? Oh, I love to make lasagna. <gasps> I'm pretty darn good. Oh my God. I think I've perfected it. 
I will be here tomorrow night. I do a white, <laughs> I do a white lasagna. cheese. <gasps> I do a white, white lasagna with like four different types of white cheeses, spinach and sausage. Oh yeah. So good. Oh yum. Yeah. God, I love a good lasagna. I do too. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, cowards. Mm. Cowards. People who don't speak up. People who don't face confrontation. People who ghosters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ghosters. Yeah. Say the hard thing. Yeah. It's so hot. It's so hot. And you can say the hard thing and be kind. You can totally. You know, I can't. Soften I mean, the edges. I've had to learn. I mean, this was even before my husband and I, I had an older woman tell me, I was like, how do I do this? Cause I was dating. And she was like, just say, you know, you're lovely, but I don't feel like we're a match. Yeah. And it's or such a simple thing. It's such a simple thing, right? Get very used to saying that because you're going to go on a lot of dates and not everybody's going to like me. Of course. Not only am I not going to like everyone, but I am not everybody's cup of exactly, tea. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, superpower choice, invisibility, ability to fly or super strength. Flying creeps me out. Remember the theme parks? <laughs> we do not. <laughs> yeah. I like my feet on the ground. Yeah. I'm going to go invisible. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have a cat tail or cat ears? <laughs> Your face. Tail. Cause there's so much teasing with that thing. Oh yes. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. What was the name of your first pet? Maggie. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Kenilworth. So your porn name is, gosh, is it all, is it all of it? Is it Maggie, Maggie Kenilworth? Kenilworth? Yeah. Maggie Kenilworth. That is hot. It's so not me. <laughs> I, if you've ever seen me dance, I'm like deep, dark, confronting, like chop your head off vindicator. <laughs> And Maggie Kenilworth sounds like she's from Downton Abbey. <laughs> she's in the library. That's right. <laughs> Little bit of tea. Um, do you want to come back to the how do you define serenity? You can skip it if it feels elusive. I don't. I got to be totally honest. I don't identify with the word serenity. Great. Say more about that. Does it turn you off? Because your face, when I first mentioned it, you looked like you were just going to like vomit. <laughs> You're like, ugh, serenity. Yeah. It kind of disgusts me. It grosses you out. It does. Like I'm too good to be serene. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Like I feel like I carry so much fire in me that the word serene, I just can't register. Yeah. It feels boring unachievable, yeah. boring, yeah. and like why would very you want far that? away. Yeah. 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 Peace, I do. Peace mm. or, uh, yeah, peace. Yeah. But serenity, I just can't process yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my own inner demons. I get it. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. I adore you. This thank you for really asking fun. me. This was really fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katie. Remember to check out giftsforgood.com and use your code MILFforgood at checkout for a discount. And also thegrowingcandle.com with the discount code of MILF10. Join me next week for my first anonymous guest. Very excited to bring this to you. I have a woman coming on the show who is a sex cam worker and she 
wanted to remain anonymous. And I said, of course. And we had a very, very saucy conversation. So please join me next week for that. I love you guys. Keep going. Keep going.